Would you take your Bibles? Turn with me to the book of Ephesians. We're in the book of Ephesians and we're coming to the sixth chapter. And I want us to read three verses of scripture. That certainly reveals to us and reminds us of what and who is behind all that is going on in our world today as we think of the enemy. With your Bibles open, Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to begin to read in verse 10, and we'll read through verse 12. Would you stand with me in reverence of reading God's holy word? The Apostle Paul, the great Christian that he was, and the man of God that he was, He was giving us an insight of an enemy that we all face. Listen to what he says. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Then he says in verse 13, Therefore take up the whole armor of God, That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Would you agree we're not in the, that we're in the evil day? Having done all to stand. Stand therefore. My friend, God has reminded us that we do not have to be a defeated foe, but that we have won the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to claim that victory. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would anoint this place with His mighty presence. We're so grateful to know that there is one greater than the enemy. And that through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that we can command Satan And all the forces of evil to leave this place. And we do that in the name of Jesus Christ. For he has no right, no place in this building here today. And we plead the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ upon this message. That we might be able to preach without any distraction. Without anything that would keep us from bringing us to the truth of the Word of God. May the Word of God go forth as a two-edged sword. And Lord, we pray that Christ would be exalted. In the name of Christ, we pray. And God's people said, Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I was reading an interesting book not too long ago. 
It was called Isaac's Storm. And it was, the, the book was about a major storm that hit Galveston, Texas in 1900. And it was amazing that the people of that particular day went about their own business. And it seems as if that everything was going fine. They were going shopping and to and fro. Even though the storm, I mean, even though the clouds had gathered and even though that the winds began to blow and the rains began to come. For you see that these people had never seen or experienced a hurricane there in Galveston, Texas. Isaac Klein, which was the weather man of that particular place in Galveston, had told everybody that you don't have to worry because this is just a little going to be a little small storm. When it was all said and done, that September, more than 6,000 people died from the hurricane called Isaac. Now, of course, today, we realize that we have satellites, we have meteorologists, we have people that have gathered all the information and they bring to our attention when there's something like a major hurricane's coming our way. And they will say something like this, high alert or storm warnings. And what they want you to do begin to get prepared. I think about September the 11th, 2001. Our nation had never been infiltrated by uh, another nation and blood that was shed upon this soil had never been experienced because of nations from other uh, other worlds. But yet, on September the 11th, when no one was expecting There that Tuesday morning, those two planes, as they crashed into those towers. Why? We would have never expected something like that. There was no warning whatsoever. And yet over 5,000 people perished in their death because of an act of terrorism. Our government... And our military bases, they have different types of warnings to remind us. And since that particular day, they have what is known as high alert that there can be a possible terrorist attack upon our nation. My friend, I want you to understand, there is one that is behind all this. And that is called Satan. And we need to Begin to search the scriptures for a few moments and to be aware that there is a, a high alert warning to each and every one of us because, friend, I want you to understand, Satan is not only attacking America, he is attacking our families and he's attacking individuals. And possibly today, you're sitting there and saying, Pastor, if you only knew what I am going through. 
Or, Pastor, if you only knew what my family and I are going through. And it's because of a satanic attack that is upon your life. life. You find yourself defeated and discouraged and despondent. So what does the scripture have to say to us about that? Well, let's look at this passage of scripture for a few moments. And I want to share with you three truths. First of all, very simple. As you'll notice as you go back to verse 12. The Bible tells us in there in verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Number one, I want you to understand the war that we face is spiritual. The war that we face is spiritual. The war I'm talking about is like no other war that has ever been taken place. There is a battle that is going on. It's not a physical war. But my friend, it is a spiritual war. Even as I'm speaking today, there is a war that is going on. There's three things I want you to notice about this war. First of all, it's an invisible war. The Bible says we don't fight against flesh and blood. Now, it would be a lot easier if we knew who to fight or how to fight, if we could see him or hear him or touch him. But the Bible says that it is a spiritual war. It's an invisible war. It's it's, it's a wrestling match that we cannot see. Did you know that even as I'm speaking right now, there is a war that is going on in this particular room. There's a war that's going on of trying to distract your mind from hearing what the pastor has to say today. Thinking about what you're going to do after church or thinking about what you're going to do this week or thinking about other things. My friend, I want you to understand that is a spiritual attack against you and the devil does not want you to listen to this message today. I'm reminded of what Paul says in Romans chapter 7 verse 19. The Apostle Paul, one of the greatest Christians who have ever lived, And yet he said, for the good that I will to do, I do not do it, but the evil that I will not do, that I practice. In other words, he says, the things that I should do, I don't do. And the things that I shouldn't do, I find myself doing. You ever find yourself that way? I do. That we find ourselves engaged in a battle. And it seems like that our mind is right there on the battlefield. It's a battle between heaven and hell. Even as I'm speaking right now, the Spirit of God is wanting to speak to that lost man or to that lost woman or to that lost boy and girl. And yet... The devil tries to distract them because he doesn't want them to hear the gospel truth. He doesn't want them to know that they can experience the freedoms of the Lord Jesus Christ in their life. It is a battle between 
good and evil. It's a battle between right and wrong. It's a battle between light and darkness. And we see this not constantly being engaged around the world today. But just because it's invisible, my friend, that does not mean that it's not real. All you've got to do is pick up your newspapers. All you've got to do is turn on your TV. And you see the results of those battles. You see some lunatic going into a nightclub and and scattering bullets across the room and killing more than 50 people. My friend, Satan is behind that. You see people going into a hug, uh, into an airport and bombing themselves and destroying their own lives to destroy other people's lives. Satan is behind that. And so therefore, friend, as I think about it, as we come to this Independence Day, we need to realize we have a real enemy. And we cannot put our head in the sand and to think that he's going to go away. Because, friend, it's not only an invisible war, but it's an inescapable war. Listen to what the Bible says as he says there in verse 12. He says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities. And then he goes on to explain of how the ruler of this world, the darkness of this world, how he's wanting to govern and bring destruction into the lives of so many people. See, there's no exceptions. The only advantage that a child of God is is because that he knows the Lord Jesus Christ and that through Christ, that Christ is, vic- is, is more victorious than Satan. And we need to realize that. If you're a Christian, my friend, you might as well say, I'm in the army now. Because we are in a battle. The Apostle Paul talked about that in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, where he says, I have fought a good fight. And then, of course, he says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, he says, you fight the good fight of faith. You fight the good fight of faith. But the problem that I see that we have today, we've got too many Christians that are asleep in the barracks. And they're not fighting the fight. We've got too many Christians who have signed the peace treaty with Satan that if you don't bother me, I won't bother you. And therefore, we have come to this point in place that therefore we're not going to be too strict in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, but it's going to be more of a casual relationship. And therefore you find yourself playing to the foe of the enemy. My friend, if you're not experiencing warfare, spiritual warfare in your life today, there's one of two things that is wrong. Number one, you're lost. 
Or number two, you're carnal and that the devil already knows he's got you so he doesn't see a need of trying to bother you anymore. But friend, if you're spiritual, if, you, if you're exercising Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18, where the Bible says that I am to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I promise you Satan is going to attack you. Just like he will try to attack any type of church or any individual that would attempt to try to do something great and mighty for the glory of God. So therefore, it is an invisible war. It's an inescapable war. You're not going to get away from it. As a child of God, my friend, you're going to be in this war until you go home to be with the Lord in glory. I wait for that day, my friend, to know that we will not have to wrestle against this called Satan. But friend, it's also an incisive war. Listen to what the Bible says there in verse 11. I think that's very interesting. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong. He's telling you and he's telling me as children of God that we gain our strength from the Lord. Listen to what he says. Be strong in the Lord. And then he says, in the power of his might. I'm reminded of, of David is when he went to battle that tremendous giant. And you remember what David said as he picked up those stones? I come in the name of the Lord. It was not through the might of David that he destroyed the mighty giant of Goliath, but he was able to come in the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have heard it said so many times that God loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life. But I go one step further and that is Satan hates you and his plan for your life is destruction. He has a plan for your life just as much as God has a plan for your life. And he will attack you personally. He will attack you as a family He will attack you in every way, shape, or form. He will attack you financially. He will attack you mentally. He will attack you physically. He will attack you spiritually. Now, I know it's not popular today because we live in the 21st century, but my friend, I'm not ashamed to tell you that I believe in a personal devil. And that this personal devil has a personal interest in each and every one of us. Let's go a little step further. Not only do I want you to notice, as you notice in this passage of Scripture, of an incisive war, but it reminds me of a story that I heard one time about a soldier who tearfully left his girlfriend and fiancé to go off to Iraq war. And after about two months, he began to notice something rather strange. The letters stopped. He was continually writing her, but she was no longer writing him. And then all of a sudden, one particular day, 
he gets this letter, and it was what was known as the Dear John letter. And she had the gall to say this. I want you to send my picture back to me so I can give it to another boy that I am seeing right now. Well, you can imagine how this young man must have felt. So he came up with a plan. He went to 40 of his friends that was in the uh, troop that he was with. And he says, I want a picture of your girlfriend. And so he got a box and he put all those pictures in that box. And he wrote a letter back and he said... For the life of me, I can't remember what you look like. And so therefore, I want you to pick out your own picture. I want you to understand, God gives us a leverage. And we need to take advantage of that at times. This war that we fight, the Apostle Paul says, is spiritual. And it is something that is... Very definite. But listen, let's go a step further. Not only the war that we fight, but what about the warrior that we face? The Apostle Paul, it seems as if he he cannot go in depth enough in verse 11 to remind us of this warrior. As he goes in great pains of trying to bring to our attention that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. My friend, as you began to look at this, it's very important that when you go to battle that you know your enemy. I like what Winston Churchill said. Winston Churchill made a statement one time that I thought was so important that I want you to listen to this for a moment. He says, gentlemen, we must always be ready to meet in our average moment anything that the enemy could hurl against us at his selective moment. I almost wish that our president could quote that today. To remind us that in our average moment, the enemy can hurl to us at a selective way to bring destruction. Now, I understand that Christians can go one extreme to another. There are some Christians that says, well, uh, I don't really believe in a personal devil. And so, therefore, I'm not going to have to put a lot of attention to that particular thought. And then there are some Christians, they see the devil behind every corner. 
And they go to the extreme. Well, I think that there is an area that we need to look at for a few moments. And I think it, is, it averages out between the two. I don't think we need to be overly obsessed of looking behind every corner that there's the devil. But at the same time, I do believe that we need to be aware that there is an enemy. And that we need to be aware that we are engaged in a war. What kind of enemy do we have? First of all, the Bible reminds us he's spiritual. He is spiritual. The Bible tells us there in verse 12 that he is the ruler of darkness. Now, you do understand this, that everything that is spiritual is not good. Everything that is religious is not good. We see that with the Islamic terrorists today, radical terrorists. We see that in the name of God, they're attacking. Well, my friend, I want you to understand, just because he is a spiritual enemy... He's not afraid of human power. He's not afraid of human position. But oh, my friend, I want you to understand, even though that we cannot fight the devil with bullets and cannons, we can fight him with the breastplate of righteousness. We can fight him with the shield of faith. We can fight him with our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. In fact, the only weapons that he fears is the spiritual weapons that God has given to us. I've shared this with you before. I believe that every morning when you get up, you need to put on the whole armor of God. Because you're going out into the battlefield. And by going out into the battlefield, if you do not have your spiritual weapons, you're going to be a defeated foe. And that's exactly the reason that we find so many Christians today living a defeated life today. He waits for you to lay down your shield. He waits for you to take off the breastplate of righteousness. He waits for you to sit down and take those shoes shod with the preparation of the gospel. And then he attacks. And when he attacks, he comes with all four. He's very spiritual. He's very strong. That's why the Apostle Paul tells us over and over that you are to be strong. You are to be strong. See, it's a dangerous thing to underestimate the power of the devil. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, reminds us the strength of the devil. He gives us a symbol of the power of the devil, where he says, your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. Seeking whom he may devour. 
If you knew that you were walking out the doors of this church today, and right outside the door, somebody had had uh, come in and hollered out, "There's a there's a lion that is out here." Would you walk out there? You'd be very careful, would you not? Well, the Bible says he's like a roaring lion. A lion. When he roars, you can hear him a mile's way. I remember when I was in Africa uh, on a mission adventure. And we were out one day, and as we were out, we happened to notice all the animals had sort of lined up, and they had just stopped in their tracks. And I thought, I wonder what's going on. And then about that time, one of our leaders began to tell us, he said, there must be a line that is around. And it wasn't not too long later that we began to see a line began to prowl and began to move in that direction. Aware of the viciousness and the power of that lie. And I think it's interesting that Peter would remind us that who we work with, I mean, who that we fight against is of one of great power. I hear people say, well, I walk with Jesus and I talk with Jesus and the devil's not going to bother me. Well, my friend Peter walked with Jesus too. And the devil ate him up almost like a lion. Oh, yes, we need to walk with Jesus. But my friend, I want you to understand, walking with Jesus, you better be prepared to fight the enemy that is coming before you. But he's not only strong, he's not only spiritual, but the Bible says he's very subtle. Verse 12 says, he speaks about the wiles of the devil. Wiles is the word that we get method from. It's the word we get Methodist from. It is, it is talking about uh, a method. And so the devil has a method in the way that he operates. The Bible says he's very cunning. The Bible says he's very scheming. The Bible reminds us of his trickery and his deception that is upon us. The living Bible says this, Don't ever be fooled by the tricks of the devil. He's wise. Genesis chapter 3, the serpent, who was Satan, was the Bible says, was more cunning than all the beasts of the field. When I speak of the devil, what do you picture him as? You picture him, that little red guy that's on the can of potted meat. I think some people kind of picture him that way got a red suit on, got horns, and he's got a pitchfork, got a long, crooked tail. And they said, that's the picture of the devil. My friend, that's not a picture of the devil. Why, if the devil would walk in the doors of this church, 
he would be probably the most handsome guy that's in this room. He'd be probably one of the most friendliest guys in this room. One of the most courteous guys that's in this room. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 14 says, Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. An angel of light. Oh, my friend, he would deceive us so well. You'd talk to him about spiritual things, and he would begin to tell you, I believe in all those spiritual things. I believe in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. The Bible says that he believes and yet trembles. But oh, how he knows how to trick us. Now, you remember when he tempted Eve? He didn't tempt Eve to be devilish. He tempted Eve to be divine. Wouldn't you like to be like God? And falling right into the paws of his hands, she and, he, uh, she and Adam fell the whole human race into this terrible destruction called sin. Oh, friend, I want you to understand. He's very subtle. But he's very sinister too. We do say God loves you and you have a, have, uh, has a wonderful plan for your life. And Satan's plan for your life is to destroy you. As I look at young couples today and as I see them trying to began a new future in their life. And they're so naive of the trickery and the devilish plans that is upon their lives. Did you realize this, that the devil hates you as much as God loves you? You think about how much God loves you. And the devil hates you as much. Friend, I want you to understand that this one called the devil, he's there to defeat you. So it reminds me of a prize fighter. When I hear people say, I don't believe in the personal uh, devil, I don't believe in in the uh, works of the devil. This prize fighter one time, he was fighting... And every time he would fight, he would get beat to no end. He'd come back to the corner and his trainer would begin to pop him on the back and begin to say, keep your chin up. He hadn't laid a lick on you. He hadn't laid a hand on you. And after about seven rounds, after being beat half to death, there his trainer says, he hadn't laid a hand on you. He said, well, you keep an eye on that uh, referee because somebody's out there about to kill me. (laughs) My friend, that's exactly the way the devil is. He wants to kill you. 
Satan is a master deception. He has even deceived us in the way that we think about him. He deceives us in the way that we should even operate as believers today. So remind me one time about this young boy. He was cutting up in, in school and it was back during those days when the principal would grab a hold of them and jerk a knot on their, their neck and he grabbed a hold of that boy and he looked at that boy and he says, the devil's got a hold of you, young boy. The little boy looked at him and he said, yes, he does. <laughs> and so, friend, I want you to understand, the devil wants to get a hold of us. But you know what? I'm so glad and and so thankful that I don't have to close in a negative way. Because I'm thankful for what the Bible tells me in verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now I want you to understand that Paul gives us everything that we need in this one half of verse... To defeat the enemy. Putting on that whole armor of God. There's no vacations. There's no ceasefires. There's no absence. Leave of absence. But friend, I want you to understand that we're in a battle. But I am grateful to know that I don't have to overestimate the enemy, but I can realize, realize that I have one greater as he that's within me than he that's in this world. That when Jesus Christ went to the cross, and that he died there upon the cross, and he shed his blood there upon the cross, And there he was buried in a grave. And the Bible says upon the third day he arose from that grave. And the Bible reminds us he came forward with the keys of victory over the enemy. So, when I began to realize that Christ is in my life, I have the Christ that who has the keys of victory. There's a story called the Civil War. And in that story, it talked about a very interesting situation during the Civil War. It talked about the time that they were headed toward Gettysburg. The Confederate and the Union armies was beginning to battle. And there, Robert E. Lee had come from the east, and he had almost won the victory that was going to split the United States into half, and that would be the north and the south. And then there was Ulysses S. Grant coming from the west. And as he had gathered his troops together, all of his troops were beginning to talk about Robert E. Lee, Robert E. Lee, Robert E. Lee did this, Robert E. Lee did that, Robert E. Lee did this. Ulysses S. Grant said, I'm tired of hearing the name of Robert E. Lee. 
I don't want to hear what Robert E. Lee has done. Let's show them what we're going to do. And my friend, that's exactly the way that I feel about Satan. I'm tired to think that this world thinks that they have to fall to the enemy of Satan. When we as believers, my friend, we can be victorious over the enemy. So let's quit talking about what the enemy's done. Let's start talking about what Christ has done. That Christ is alive. And He is well. And He wants to defeat the enemy in your life and in mine as well. I want to invite you to stand with me. Every head bowed and every eye shut. As we bow for a moment, I just wonder, as I have spoken here today, about a subject that we all find ourselves in common with. If possibly this past week, you have found yourself fighting the enemy. And by fighting the enemy, you may have found yourself being defeated in some way. Every head bowed and every eye shut. I wonder if there might be some that would raise their hand and say, Pastor, I have been a victim of that very battle here this past week. I have been in a spiritual battle. I wonder how many would raise their hands today. Yes, yes, yes. All across. The battle was real, and the battle was raging. I want to pray for those that raised their hand today. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you that through Him, the Christ that we serve, that we can plead the blood and rebuke the one that has tried to cause us harm. And I pray in Jesus' name for the victory that you have given to us in the lives of these that have raised their hand. And Lord, I'm sure there's others here today that are going through a battle. And a battle that is raging. And many times they do not know which way to turn. Lord, help us. Remind us encourage us to put on that whole armor of God that we might be able to stand and stand firm. Nowhere in the Bible did you ever tell us that we're to run or to flee from Satan. But you've told us to stand and to stand firm. And so, Father, help us to stand in the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, there's... I believe there's a battle raging here today. And I believe there's someone here today that needs to give their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that today that you would give them that freedom, that victory, to be able to come and to open up their heart and to confess with their mouth and to believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again, that they might be saved. Father, I believe there's families here today that are going through some difficulty. 
They need to come and gather around this altar and commit their lives to you. I believe there's individuals that need to come and commit themselves to you today. There's some people here today that needs to be baptized. And Lord, they've accepted you as Lord and Savior. And you have, com- have encouraged us that we are to not be ashamed. And that we come forward and to give that proclamation that Christ is Lord of our life. So Lord, have thy own will and way during this very special moment in time as we sing this invitation. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.